there are 22 veterans a day on average that commit suicide. There's all sorts of, of life stressors that come on all of us. And unless you have somebody to talk to about it, you're going to just internalize all of it like I did for a long time. Talk to somebody who has a different perspective, who's maybe been through what you have, or maybe they haven't been through what you have, because they're going to have a different perspective on life and a different perspective on where they can grow from there. Interview your partners. Make sure you guys have the same long-term vision on where you want to go with things. Make sure you guys are aligned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Flow Over Fear podcast, where it is our mission to help you to rise above fear and realize your ultimate potential in leadership and life. I'm your host, Adam Hill, and it is my goal to share with you the human side of high performance. My guests share their experience with fear, anxiety, struggle, challenge, and most importantly, despite all of it, how they rose above it to achieve incredible results. So if you're ready to rise up, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Flow Over Fear. So glad you're here today. I have a great guest with me today, another fellow uh, GoBro uh, with me. His name is Adam Labarin. He is a Christian, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. And he's also a veteran of the U.S. Air Force who had, who started his business while he was still in the military and ultimately retired to better serve his family. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of RAL Capital Group and the host of the Biz Dad podcast, which I had the pleasure of being on recently and uh, it was a really, really, really great time. Uh, and furthermore, he's also the co-owner of Active Duty Passive Income, uh, where he helps coach and mentor other military members, veterans, and their families on how to invest in real estate. What a great cause that is. And thanks for being here, Adam. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with me. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Yeah, we were just talking off off the air, and I know, like you know, important things first. But your beer mm. game is strong, and I think I'm like <laughs> well, trying you. to get to that level. So, yeah. so no, great. Uh, yeah. But I'd love to, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your origin story. You know, where where you came from. I know you're former, formerly in the military. Mm-hmm. What what got you into that? How'd you grow up, and and uh, what led you into that uh, into that field? So it was an early morning in the mid 1980s. Adam Labar was born, and uh, now so. Um, <laughs> making me I, feel uh, old, man. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's start it. Yeah, so now it was. Uh, um, yeah, I, I was a military brat. I bounced around a little bit. Um, my dad uh, broke his back while in the Air Force and uh, got got sent packing after that. Um, bounced around to a bunch of different jobs in upstate New York, and um, I graduated high school in Central New York. I didn't know any different. I joined the military right out of high school. I was 16 years old. We went to the DMV and got my permit, and then went to the recruiter and signed up for the Air Force. Like I did not really know any different. This is what both my parents did. So this is what I was going to do. There was never a thought of college. There was never a thought of business. There was never, I, I, I had no idea anything else. So I just did that. Um, and you were 16 when you did that? When I signed up, yes. I didn't leave yeah. until I graduated high school. But yeah, when I oh, first okay. signed up. So you could sit in what's called delayed enlistment. So you're in the delayed enlistment program just hanging out. And they'll, that's how they keep you signed up. Like they're every oh, month you gotcha. have a meeting and you go and you like play pool or you go meet somewhere. And like they're just like, hey, keep enticing you to stick around and, and stay signed up. But uh, so I did that for a while before I went uh, into the Air Force after graduating. Um, uh, I'll try to speed the story up a little bit because it's a the origin story is long. But um I was enlisted paycheck to paycheck for a long time. I had no idea. Like, again, all I had ever seen was paycheck to paycheck. That's what my parents did. That's what the, all of my enlisted friends did. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was such thing as savings. Um, I got out of the military, went to college. Um, I hated that experience with a passion, but I got married while I was in college, which was great. My wife had this magical thing called a savings account that I had never heard of before. 
Um, and that's where I really started to learn about saving and investing and, you know, starting businesses and all of that is, is kind of that, that was like the, the impetus of it all. Um, but yeah, fast forward again, I decided like my wife said, you should do, you should look at the real estate and do all of that. And I, I said, I said, you're hilarious. I'm going to go lose money in the <laughs> stock market. So I lost money in the stock market and then said, honey, please tell me more about this real estate thing. So, uh, before you know it, I, you know, I went back active duty. I was supposed to be a pilot and I lost that. I busted my neck and lost my pilot spot, but I, I, I'm thankful for that in the grand scheme of things because I was really able to focus on uh, the the investing side of the house. I bought a my first investment property, a 62 unit apartment while living in Japan. 62. Um, wow. 62 units. That was my That's... very first investment property ever. Um, only my second property we'd ever bought. One was a primary residence before we moved to Japan, and then mm-hmm. the 62 unit. Um, and then uh, just kind of kept going from there. I jumped into ADPI and and started helping them with their multifamily program right around the same time, and it was. I don't know that's how far incredible. you want me to go, or if that was if that was good. But <laughs> no, that's 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 incredible. I mean, it has a, I have a lot of directions I could take that, and um, and I, I just love I, one of the key themes that happens at a lot of times in these interviews with with how people who've achieved a lot of things was that first you know nugget of wisdom of good ideas mm-hmm. came from their significant other or their wife, you know, and that that sounds like it happened for you as well. So very much so. Did did you feel like she was responsible for giving you that that? that platform to build the financial knowledge that you have today. Oh, she was very much responsible for it. I, I don't remember who it was. I wish I could give credit to who it was, whoever said this, but um, you know, like the number one decision a person can make in their life is the person they marry, right? Because almost everything you do from that point on is affected by that person, right? In good, good, bad, indifferent, doesn't matter. Everything you do from that point is affected by that person. In my case, it's been pretty much nothing but positive. Um, and she was the one who really got me on that, that train. Like, the one thing we didn't talk about before we got married, we probably should have, was finances. And I'm really glad we didn't because she might not have married me. <laughs> she might have been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I right. don't think we mix well together in that. Um, uh, but I do usually recommend people do that before they get married. But in our case, we didn't. And that was a a massive change in in my future just by learning from her. Yeah. Yeah. We get so lucky by the people when we marry. The, by the people we marry, I feel the same way about my wife. It's just when you when you marry the right person that is just the right fit, you could teach you things and you, you can learn from it and who you're willing to ha- be open to. It's like you just grow together over life and it's mm-hmm. just such a wonderful, wonderful thing. So it's it's neat to hear you hear you talk about that. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of going back to, and, 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 you know, when I was researching, I uh, looked at, you know, RAL Capital and I was trying to figure out what that, what the acronym was for. And so I think it's, it's it's your initials, right? Uh, both yeah. you and your wife, is that yeah, right? Raquel and Adam okay. Labar, correct? Gotcha. That's what I figured. But uh, yeah, it's I love I like that you can tie that that into it and make that uh, that bond very strong that way. Um, yeah, I, and, one thing I did not realize though when I first created that is as a guy in real estate, I had not gone down this path. But there's residential assisted living. RAL oh. that now everybody seems to think that that's what I invest in because it's RAL. I'm like, no, 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 that's just me and my wife. I don't, I don't really do that. So, right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I made a similar mistake when I, when I named my, the title of my book, Shifting Gears, I didn't look at all of the other books that were titled that. And it's not good. I don't recommend anybody <laughs> looks that up without my name as well. But, uh, um, well, now but, I'm curious. <laughs> don't do it, Adam. Um, but I, I, um, I, that, yeah. So going, kind of going back to, you know, your parents were in the military, you know, they, mm-hmm. so you were military. About, was it both your mom and dad in the military at the time or 
Just your dad? So how did that look? just my dad at the time. So my parents met while they were in the Air Force. And then um, when my mom got pregnant with my sister, she left the military and it was just my dad staying in from there. Gotcha. Did they encourage you to kind of follow that path or did they give you kind of a different route or what did you feel? Um, I, I don't know if I ever felt like it was like, hey, you should totally do this. But it was more like I asked questions because that's what I was around. Um, yeah. So the more questions they answered, the more it made me want to go do it. And so I just went and did it. And I was, you know, third generation Air Force. So it was just one of those like, oh, this is apparently what we do. I don't, you know, it's just what we do. So, yeah. That's incredible. Is that something now that you have kids, are you looking to kind of push them in that direction? Or are you open, more open-minded to what they Boy. want to do or what were your thoughts? Um, I, there's a bunch of different directions. My brain goes with that. Like what I've been saying is I want them to know it's an option, but not the only option. Like if that's really what they want to do, because that's what they have decided based on all the options in front of them. I just don't want it to go like what I did where I didn't know there were other options. Um, you know, even when I joined, like my, both of my parents were like, you should be an officer. You should be an officer. You'd be a great officer. And then I went to the enlisted recruiter, like both of them were in the military. Neither one of them even really knew how to tell me how to go be an officer. So it was just, <laughs> I just went and became an enlisted guy because that's what I, the direction I went. So, um, uh, and, and without getting too, too political, uh, there's been a lot of changes. One of the reasons I left as well, there's been a lot of changes in how the military has been treated and working and the things that they're moving towards um, that I wouldn't say that I'm going to encourage my kids to go in the military. So yeah, yeah I'll stop. That's, there. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's, that's good info. I'm, I'm always, I'm always very curious as being, you know, from the civilian side and, you know, getting, getting just like an open door to what, what, what life is like in the military. Cause I'm, you know, there, there's part of me certainly that's inspired by it, like, you know, the service aspect of it. And then there's a part that's just really curious just to, to know. And I think that curiosity exists in a lot of places. So, um, so I appreciate you sharing, you know, where, you know, what your experience was like in there. Um, and, um, and yeah, do you, does it still kind of, does that experience still kind of guide how you interact in the world? I guess, in other words, did it, did it shape any of your values or, one good or bad and did you did you find that it gave you kind of some platform to um to want to be in service in other ways um i want to go i think i'm going to answer this in a couple different ways one because mm -hmm. i love the the flow or fear side of the house and i want uh, i i don't know if i've shared any of this on a, on a podcast before but I've been to Iraq, been to Afghanistan. My job was to go find bombs, right? I was mm -hmm. a do dog handler. We'd go find bombs before they blow people up was our entire purpose in life. So um, uh, I got to, I was an Air Force guy, but I deployed with the Army in Iraq and then with Army Special Forces in Afghanistan. Um, you know, what we would do is uh, just to set the stage a little bit is we would helicopter insert into people's front yards, go blow their doors off the hinges, go in find whatever bad guy we were looking for, whatever high value target HVT we were looking for, pull them out, search for whatever we needed, call a helicopter back to come pick us up and we'd leave. So <laughs> there's a whole lot going on, right? Some of the missions were longer than that. Some of them were just like that. But there was a lot of stuff that I've dealt with through all of that, um, that I was stuck in a, in a fear-based mindset, not because I was afraid of what was going on, but because there was always something that was going to happen. So you were always on edge, ready to go all the time. And mm -hmm. even in my enlisted career after that, um, you know, I was in Korea for, for a year and I was known as the guy that they would call and say, Hey, at Labar, go fix this problem because I could be a hothead on the, like I was always, it's like, uh, in, in the Avengers when, um, Hulk talks about how, uh, 
how he's able to control it. He's like, I'm always angry. Like it was me. I was always angry. I could be turned on at any moment in time. Um, and it, it kept me in a world that was not looking for ways to grow. It kept me in a world of this is, this is just what I am. And I embraced that portion of me and it was very difficult to work through. I mean, I, I had people trying to tell me that that was not the best way to to live. And I was like, whatever, you don't know. And I would just Mm -hmm. move on. And there again, like that was a, a great thing of me getting out. I was able to kind of step away from that a little bit um, and then getting married. It took me a while to go through some of that stuff and work through some of the stuff. But being able to talk about it, being able to learn from it helped me kind of realize, okay, there's a I can help a lot of other people in saying, hey, like, just have a conversation with me. I've been through a lot of stuff, business, life, name it. I can help deal with some of these things, even if it's just an ear to talk to. So I'd say that that was one thing that I learned a lot, you know, is, is a self-reliance, right? Cause like going through Afghanistan, I had some, some difficult times dealing with the, uh, the group that I was attached to. Like we just didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things, especially our, my, my team sergeant. Um, lots of fun stories there, but uh, it took me a long time to stand up for myself. And that's where I started to learn how to do that, but I did it in a negative way. So then it took a while later on. And now in business, I look at myself and go, okay, well, how would my old Adam would have responded to this versus where I should be in the direction I'm trying to go, especially like even being a dad, you know? Um, yeah. So all in all, I'd say, yeah, the military had a massive influence on everything that I am today. Um, whether good, bad, or indifferent again, like I think they've done a lot to take the negative aspects of what I was going through to be able to positively impact now my business and my family. And I love that you took that away from, from that, like you took an experience that wasn't necessarily maybe a hundred percent positive for you, but you took the right types of values and you were able to kind of fix that. If, if there was anybody that might be struggling with similar, maybe questions or concerns that is in that situation, like, you know, maybe they're in service, maybe they're struggling with how, how they're connecting with where they're at. Um, mm-hmm. what would you suggest as a first step? And and I don't know if I'm treading on dangerous ground there or anything like that, because I don't want to put you on the spot with anything, but is there no. any kind of, uh, su- uh, suggestions or recommendations you would have for people that might be in that spot? I was actually just talking about this with my sisters, um, this past weekend, but it was one of those. So uh, w- there are 22 veterans a day on average that commit suicide a day. And that's a lot, mm-hmm. right? Um, so the thing for me that really made a big difference was being able to actually realize I just needed to say something. I didn't realize I needed to. I literally fell apart in my kitchen just talking to my wife out of nowhere. It literally was not thinking about it. I didn't think, but it was there in the back of my brain, things that I was working through, issues that I was having. Um, and we're talking years later. Um, sure. uh, and I had never worked through any of it. Um, uh, so I just broke down, started talking to my wife. And the next day, literally, I, I felt like the weight was off my shoulders. So I'd say if, if you're working through things, if you're having issues with stuff, I don't care whether like folks in business have same things. Like they've got a bunch of people on their shoulders like, hey, I'm paying all of these people. I'm the owner of this company. I'm the CEO of this company. I have to I rely on this stuff. The economy is going really bad right now. Everything is on my shoulders. I feel like the end of the world is coming. Um, I made a bad mistake and something happened uh, in the company. Um there's all sorts of, of life stressors that come on all of us. And unless you have somebody to talk to about it, you're going to just internalize all of it like I did for a long time. So my first step would be just everybody feels like they're going to be a burden to somebody when it gets to that point. But you're not. Just step out and talk to somebody about it. Like if you like you could email me, call me, especially if you're a military person and that's you feel like you can't um, like I will put hands down at any point in my time, pick up a phone especially for a veteran who's on that, on that edge. I was always um, in one of my other jobs um, in the military. I, I had to investigate all sorts of suicides. Um, and I always looked at those in a very um, cynical light. 
right? Like everybody I talked to was like, hey, this, there's, there's, they're already dead. There's no, I can't bring them back. The only thing I ever saw was there's really nothing anybody could have done to change this. So that's the mentality I always had. And then I, there was one person, a friend of mine that I ended up talking to uh, that he stopped himself from committing suicide because of a conversation I had with him. And that was a light switch in my head that, wow, we can actually make change in people's life. Like I didn't wow. know from the perspective I was in. So talk to somebody who has a different perspective, who's maybe been through what you have, or maybe they haven't been through what you have because they're going to have a different perspective on life and a different perspective on where they can grow from there. Hmm. Do you, do you find that you can connect and thank you for sharing that by the way, because that's, I think that's powerful. It's, I mean, something I've heard from a lot of veteran friends that I have is that, you know, the, one of the biggest scourges on our society right now is that veteran suicide. There's a lot of it. And, mm-hmm. and, and, um, and that kind of help for that kind of, and, and resources for that is one of the most important things that we can have. And, and, um, do you feel like it is something where, I mean, you'd mentioned that it doesn't have to be connected to the military. It could be somebody else or somebody, do you, do you feel like you can make those connections outside of the military or, or uh, and, and so really just finding connection anywhere? Yeah. I, I, are you saying the military person finding that or me personally finding that connection? Right, that the military person finding that connection anywhere, like with anything. Yeah, I, I think the military person themselves is going to have a hard time if yeah. they're still just struggling through that themselves because it, there's there's not very many. It took me a while to associate some of the the problems that entrepreneurs have with that that with what I've gone through, right? Because there's no way that I'm going to be able to look at um, as much as maybe uh, Adam, maybe that you've been through, there's no way I'm going to look at you and say, Oh yeah. Well, when was the last time that you had to yank dead bodies out of a bomb, right? Like a bomb just exploded and you're, right. you're trying right. to pull things out. And so why am I going to come talk to you? You've never been like, so I, I think that especially if they're going through something like that, a military member is going through something like that. I'd recommend that they go through and talk to somebody who's been through that themselves. Um, because that's, that's a, that's a different world. But now, even though you would have a ton of tools for that person to work from, there's such a barrier there already that they just want to talk to somebody who's been through what they have been through. And, you know, because there were people I've talked to like you do not understand a thing that I'm saying. They may have been great assets. Like my pastor, I could have gone to my pastor and talked to my pastor. Have they gone through that? No, probably not. Right. But I could have gone and talked to my pastor and they would have had amazing tools for me to work with. Um, uh, but yeah, for the most part, I, I personally would probably recommend a military veteran going through those things to go and talk to another veteran who's been there. Yeah, and I appreciate that perspective because yeah, it's so important that at least, especially when you're when you're that vulnerable to 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 connect with someone that maybe has a shared experience, has it has has a perspective on that specific aspect of it. Yeah, totally. You know, I think that's that's really you know wise advice, um, and and I appreciate you sharing that. And um, and you meant you touched on kind of the faith though, where you're, when you talk to your pastor and things like that, has that been something that's always been with you? Was it something that was developed over time? Is it something that's continuing to develop? How, what does that look like for you in your life? Boy, I'd say it's probably developed three separate times in my life. Growing up, I grew up in the church with my mom. My dad never went to church, still doesn't. We're still praying that he does, right? We still want that to happen. But then I went in the military and started doing everything that I was doing and just kind of, I think when you when you become an adult, especially if you grow up in the church and you become an adult, eventually you have to make the decision yourself, right? It's just like any other decision in life. Your decisions are made for you as a, uh, as you're growing up. And then when you become an adult, you kind of have to make that decision yourself. I had to remake the decision to go back to church and start doing it. And and I, if I'm completely honest, one of the reasons that I really started to go consistently is because I was looking for a, a good wife. Um, and I, I was like, this is going to be a great place to find a good wife for somebody that I'm looking for. Didn't happen that way. But um, 
Uh, but that was one of the reasons I started going back, uh, which I honestly don't care what reason gets you in the door as long as you're there. Right. But at the same point, right. you know, uh, <laughs> it, it, uh, and, and church is a great place to find a wife, but make that not be the only reason you're going to church. Right. Um, but, uh, uh, but then I, I going through the same struggles and dealing with a lot of stuff. It was one of those, like I was driving down the road once and I just like got angry at my mom. Cause she said something about God asking, like I was, I forgot to fill up with gas before I got on the highway. And I was really angry because this was back when angry Adam was around all the time. And, um, uh, I was, she was like, that's all right. God will take care of us. I said, like, God doesn't care about my gas. Tank. I just got, I just got angry. I was like, he doesn't care about my gas tank. He didn't right. care about X, Y, Z happening in my life. He doesn't care about my gas tank. And then that was a new trigger in my life of like, well, I need, I need to work on some things. Like I need to figure some stuff out. So I ended up going back to church a little bit more, um, getting a lot more involved. Um, I actually signed up for my master's in theology because I, I was, I was really digging into, I I found a pastor that I really liked to listen to that, that was like talking to men. And I was like, I need to be talked to like, like, like a man, like you talk to me, like I'm a man, step on my toes, tell me where I'm screwing up. Tell me what it means to be a biblical man. Um, in the church, especially we tend to have a lot of, um, in society as a whole, don't get me wrong, but in the church, like there's a bunch of 40 year old boys, you know, 40, 50 year old boys. And it's like, no, like where are the strong Christian men that represent Christianity in a good, strong Christian light? Um, you know, uh, you either have like this flowery version of, of Jesus. And that's what I'm representing is this, this amazing, or we have just not showing up because they're out doing man things or whatever. Like, no, I'm drinking beer, watching football. I'm not going to church. Right. So, um, but there's not much of the, you can be a man who drinks beer and watches football while also being a man that supports and loves his family and has, has faith. So I'd say I, I, it, it resurfaced again, especially when I had kids, like that was a real, like getting married was one, like that moment there. And then having kids was really another eye opening moment for me. And I think it's a constant growth thing. I think I'm always trying to grow. I think we all are, like, I hope we all are. Um, uh, but I'd say I'm, I'm probably as strong as I've ever been now in my faith. Yeah. And you, and so you didn't meet your wife in church. Where, where did you meet your wife? You so we initially met in the military. Um, okay. We were both uh, sent to a, a, an assignment and uh, we were assigned to very different places, got sent to a completely different place and then went back to our other places. And um, uh, she was trying to recruit me into uh, the job I eventually did when I became an officer. And I was like, nah, dude, I'm out. Like I'm done with this Air Force stuff. So uh, good luck. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And so. Uh, so she helped you to kind of see the light with regard to investing and in, in, in the yes. right way. You yep. bought your first 60, first property was 62 unit, which blows my mind. Cause that's, I mean, a lot of people starting out with like, you know, a small, multi, small, you know, single unit, maybe a two unit, yeah. but 62 units, that's a big, big jump. What, what prompted that? Like just diving all in, was that just, I'm going to go for it or, or did it just fall in your lap? How did that look? Um, so I, I spent about four years researching, right? I'm, I tend to be a, a analysis by paralysis or paralysis by analysis kind of guy, but I was researching, 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 trying to learn as much as I could. Um, and then I kind of, I, I, what I did was I built what I wanted our future to look like. Um, keynote in this is I would recommend anybody, if you're going to build what your future looks like, make sure you ask your wife what the future looks like as well. Don't just build it yourself. Like do that with your wife, right? I did not do that the first two times I did this, but, um, so I built, what I wanted our financial future to look, to look like. And then I worked backwards. Okay. How many houses am I going to need for this? 
and I'd already heard a couple of apartment podcasts and, and read some of that stuff, but my brain was just, all I can do is houses. That's just what I know. So then I did the analysis. I'm like, boy, that's a lot. And then the more I started to learn about economies of scale with apartments and how I could do all this stuff, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I joined a mastermind group uh, with Jake and Gino and uh, jumped into that when they were first kind of, I think it was when they first starting their mastermind. And I jumped into there and I got around a group of like-minded people that were driving for for the same thing and you know answering questions, providing value inside the community, saying, hey, this is what's going on. This is, why, this is my thoughts. And then somebody reached out to me and said, hey, we've got this apartment under contract. I think you'd be a great fit to, to be a partner. Um, so I did, did the review and I did, if I'm completely honest, did not do enough review. Um, we can go into that if you'd like, but I did not do enough review. It was a, a, uh, an interesting property, but it got my foot in the door. It got me, got me kind of rolling into the apartment scene. So that's, that's how I kind of got to that point was I just, I kept analyzing, figured out that this is the best way to go for my numbers and jumped in. Hey everyone, I interrupt this program to introduce you to a powerful tool that will help you gain clarity on your vision and accelerate your growth and achievement. If you're listening to this show, it is likely that you have an exciting vision for your life. But the problem is, is that we often get caught up in the day-to-day. We get distracted, we face uncertainty, overwhelm, and self-doubt. And as a result, the gap between where you are and where you want to be seems insurmountable. And that's why I created a framework for how you can turn your vision into strategic, disciplined action that will accelerate your results in the next 90 days. I call it the Vision Reflection Retreat. It is a two-day solo excursion designed to reignite passion and adventure into your busy life and realign your focus toward your why. This is the very same framework that I use every 90 days to reflect on my own life and my vision and set my goals for the next quarter. And it has been a game changer. And the good news is, is that I'm giving away this Vision Reflection Retreat Guidebook for free when you sign up for my newsletter. Simply go to flowoverfear.com slash retreat and download your free guide and enjoy the journey. When you talk about that community that you were leaning into, the real estate community, mm-hmm. uh, did, were, were they kind of the co-investors in this? Did they provide some capital for it or was it all on you? <laughs> So this was uh, so the guy who sent me a message had already had a few different partners. So it was uh, it was a joint venture, a JV um, on the nice. sixty two unit. So we brought in capital and uh, um, some brain power and and kind of went from there. I couldn't do obviously boots on the ground. I lived in Japan, but uh, that's um, true. Yeah. But yeah, that's it was a it was a joint venture on that. That's awesome. Um, and so you brought you brought it up uh, uh, how you know you, you made it, maybe didn't do enough research on it. So what did what went wrong on that on that uh, deal? How long is this podcast? Uh, <laughs> well, now, now uh, it's going to be a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, everything. If, if I'm completely yeah. honest, almost everything went wrong. Um, so a lot of lessons. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of lessons. I, t- I tell people all the time, I said, if it, if it was, this is one of those deals that you either, uh, especially if your first deal, you run as far away from real estate as you possibly can, or you say, if I can manage that, I can do any of this. Um, and I had already bought a second apartment building while we were going through the issues with this one. So it's not like I could run away from it. I'm all, I'm still in it. Like I can't go anywhere. So, um, uh, so I just took the other, other route and said, what can I learn from this and moved on? So, I mean, we had everything from, um, uh, we had to remove a partner, um, for, for some issues there. We had, um, uh, everybody when I mean, so it was like a, um, uh, a C class, maybe C minus property in like a B area with D class tenants, which 
is decent, right? A C-class property and a B-class area is great. I could add some money, add some uh, work to it and make it a B-class property, raise the rents and get it up and running. Um, but it was three different buildings. And we said, we're going to shut one building down at a time, let the other two buildings pay for our expenses. Um, you know, it was a, it was a bridge debt uh, deal. Um, went through all of the stuff. It, it, the second we emptied out the first building, everybody saw the writing on the wall and stopped paying. Hmm. Um, so we had the sheriff, the, we had the sheriff literally door by door like knocking on everybody's door, evicting them because we couldn't get anybody to pay. We couldn't get anybody out. So we're like, well, let's just get everybody out and then we can at least start working on everything all at once. So, I mean, we had to bring in extra dumpsters because you're talking, I mean, mattresses getting launched out, people throwing their microwaves out the windows into the parking lot. Like it was just, it was ugly. Um, and it was a lot of extra work. So, uh, we were spending all of our rehab money, paying all of the expenses, paying all the bills, going through all this process. So we like the business plan went to crap. The contractor walked out on us halfway through and left a bunch of stuff not to code over an argument they were having with one of the partners about a different property. So they weren't, it wasn't even the same property. They were just like, I'm done with all of you guys and just left it all. Um, uh, a bunch of stuff not to code. So we had to get another bridge loan, which going bridge to bridge is very difficult to do. Um, lots of wonderful interviews there, but uh, long story short, I didn't, actually lose money i thought i was going to one of the conversations i have with my wife is i said one day i'm going to come up to you and i'm going to tell you i'm sorry honey we just lost thirty thousand dollars and i want you to be prepared for that conversation now because it's bound to happen in in investing it's going to happen um i was not expecting to have to walk up to her and say i'm sorry honey we just lost a couple hundred thousand dollars which was getting close to that right we were getting very close to that and the grand scheme of things the market helped us out a ton we were able to get it uh, get it up and running i got myself a lot more involved in what was actually happening i stayed i stayed way too passive i thought that i didn't have enough to add so i just kept my mouth shut um until i realized what was going on and then i was like no like we need to do x y and z and i just jumped in and i said i'm not having that conversation with my wife i'm gonna have this conversation with you guys instead uh so um uh, so we ended up turning the property around enough to be able to sell it to somebody to where I made, I think, over the three years we owned the property, two years, three years, something like that, like 2% on my money overall. So I did not wow. lose money on that deal. And uh, it was a massive blessing to not lose money on that one. Nice. So you're, so you're over water uh, and, and you learned a lot of lessons. Now, given, given that experience and given what you've learned thus far and where you are today, is that something that you would have... I mean, is there anything you would change about that experience? Would you have, would you have not done it or would you have done it differently? You know, it's, it's really hard to say, right? Cause I, I have this conversation with various different things. Like what happens if, you know, what would have happened if I would have applied myself better in high school? Because, yeah. you know, I gave up on, on being good because I was, I knew where I was going. It didn't matter. As long as I got, as long as I graduated, it didn't matter. But I um, am a moderately intelligent individual, so I could have done really well in college and gone through. So what would have happened? Uh, well, then I wanted to marry my wife and then I wanted to have gone to where I'm going. So I don't want to change any of that stuff. However, if I'm talking to somebody else, I would advise that they change a lot of what I did, right? Don't like do a lot better research on your partners. Make sure you know who you're getting in bed with. Um, know what skills you bring to the table. And that is going to take a little bit of self-analysis and probably even talking to somebody else. I didn't know what skills I brought to the table at all. I just thought I'm just some dumb military kid that, you know, what, what do I know? You know, um, uh, you know, this is my first investment property. I need to keep my mouth shut, but know what values you bring. And by having good conversations with other people, interview your partners, make sure you guys have the same long-term vision on where you want to go with things. Make sure you guys are aligned um, emotionally. You're aligned strategically. You're aligned financially. You're aligned across the board. This is, this is a marriage, right? Make sure that you you know, have those interview questions set up and then, you know, stay on top of contractors a lot better. So there's a lot I would have changed and I would advise people to do differently. Um, but I'm glad that I went through the experience. So, yeah. And I yeah, appreciate you going down that direction because 
I, and I like to ask it because if there's anybody listening out there, a lot of us are just afraid to start. And your story is so impressive because it was just like, I'm going all in on the 62 unit, you know, kind of big, big property kind of thing. Like, you know, and, 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 you know, a lot went wrong with that. But here you are today teaching people how to, how to invest for the first time, you know, having your own capital group with, with your wife, you know, that, that, that expresses your values, starting a podcast, doing all of these amazing things uh, that supports your family towards this, you know, ideal of financial freedom, which allows you to do the things you want to do. And I mean, it just goes to the point of just if, if, even if you have that fear at the beginning, just start, you know, it doesn't have to be a 62 unit property, but just start. If things go wrong, they do, but it's not the end of the world. You can still move forward. Uh, so I love that perspective that you share there. So now kind of talk, can you talk a little bit about how the, how, how you got into the active duty passive income thing? Cause, because that's, you know, it's adding a lot of value to the world and it's also, you know, building people up to be able to find that financial freedom themselves. Mm. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So we, um, so I met a guy named Eric Upchurch. He's a co-founder, um, another another uh, co-owner of ADPI. I met him at a multifamily conference, and they were like, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm trying. We're trying to learn more about this multifamily stuff. I was already uh, dabbling in it a little bit, and I, I don't remember if I had already had my 62 units or or not yet, but it was it was sometime around the same time um, as that property. And I was like, I was just trying to meet other people who were like minded. Um, so I went to a conference, it was a Rod Khalif concert conference and we met and he, he was like, yeah, we've got this company, active duty, passive income. They were very new at the time. Um, I think we had like a thousand people in our Facebook group. If that, when I first, first joined, I think it was right around a thousand. Um, and they were like, Hey, we're thinking about doing some multifamily stuff. And I said, well, I've, I've done a bunch of education on it. I'm working on it again. I don't remember if I had the property or not, uh, but we just communicated, talked, went out to lunch. We ate subway. It was probably the best subway sandwich you'd ever had considering where it brought us. But, um, you know, we, uh, um, I, I went back to, to Japan and I told my wife, I said, Hey, this is what's going on. And, um, they, they brought me in as a, uh, I told him, I said, well, I, I'd be happy to share my journey as I'm going through and teach anybody who's willing to learn from me. And, um, you know, I don't know what that looks like, but before you know it, I'm, I'm, you know, turn into a co-owner and start creating a, uh, academy with, uh, another guy that we brought on later, Tim Kelly. So we brought him on, uh, shortly after me and he and I created the multifamily academy and started pushing this out to a bunch of people. So that's kind of where, where that started was going to a conference, shaking somebody's hand and having a Subway sandwich. I love that. That's, that's awesome. And, and so obviously you're looking at military uh, people, veterans and mm -hmm. to, to try and help out. Is there a specific avatar in that group that you're looking to promote to, or, or who, who's your ideal, who's the ideal person that you want to come to you and say, Adam, show me, show me the way. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, business plan wise, when you look at it, what, what our avatar kind of is, is that, um, that 22 to 45 year old military member veteran or their family, like it could be a spouse. Cause a lot of the spouses are the ones that are actually doing the investing because their, um, their husbands or wives are out doing the military thing. Right. So the spouse ends up, you know, managing the money and doing all of that. Um, so really that's kind of the range we're looking at anybody in that range. We've got, um, now, we just got done with our second annual conference about a month before we're recording this, and it was awesome. We had such a wide range of people there um, uh, that, you know, um, spouses, um, actual active duty members, veterans, uh, folks who were retired like 20 years ago, um, all sorts of stuff. We had like 230 people or something like that there. And it was a lot of fun to see all of these people show up from all of these different walks of life. But the one thing they all have in common is they're associated to the military. So really that's, that's all you need to do is be associated to the military, um, military member, veteran or spouse, family member that is wanting to change their life and, and grow, um, grow their passive income and grow their real estate. 
Yeah. They, well, one of the directions I love that this conversation is taking is, is you know, we kind of started down the path of talking a little bit about that healing journey for veterans in particular, like, you know, that, that idea that, you know, that there's, there's specific challenges and struggles that veterans go through in, you know, in, in their career. And then, and then we're now we're talking about this personal development journey of trying to find that financial freedom. That's two levels of like healing and personal development. And in both of those, I'm seeing the common theme is community. Like you, you just have to have a community for that. How powerful have you seen that those that there's any overlap in that? Like that within this community of ADPI, uh, active duty passive income, that there are that there is a healing aspect too as as well to it, or, or does it uh, does it kind of transcend that a bit? How, how does that? How are how are you seeing that in that organization? I say yes in in general, and I'll walk walk down that path. Is uh, one of the things that that we tend to to see on why veterans commit suicide is especially after they get out of the military. You've always been told what your mission is. You always have something to drive towards. You always know what the next thing is. Um, even if you don't know what the next thing is, you know what the next thing is. Like you don't know where you're going to go, but you know you're going to go somewhere, and you know you're going to use the tools that the military has given you to go go take care of some things. Um, and then you get out and you're like, all right, well, what's my mission now? What's my focus now? So we, we tend to see a lot of people go from putting on a uniform on Friday, taking it off Friday after they get out of work and retire to put on a suit on Monday morning and go do a similar job as a, as a GS employee, as a government employee, um, where now we're, we're looking at real estate. It's like, hey, this is, this is a new way for you to serve. This is a new mission, a new thing for you to go after around the same kind of people that you've been going after missions for with before. So if we can get you around that same community with a new target in mind, yes, you still have to deal with some of the stuff we talked about before, but at least now you have something you're grasping towards. You have something, instead of running away from something, you're running towards something, which is a much stronger drive to run towards something than run away from something. Um, so if we can get people around those same like-minded people, then yeah, I think it makes a huge difference. And uh, as an example of, of the, the healing portion of it um, is I want people to do this more often. As I was standing in the back of the conference and there was a guy that was there and he and I were chatting. He'd, he'd gone through a lot of stuff in Iraq, lost, lost some of his guys and, um, you know, uh, dealing with some, some PTSD issues. And um, um, he and I were just chatting and it was one of those that, you know, the first time I got out of the military, I was like, I'm not going to go get any VA disability because I, you know, I know this person who's gone and I know that person who's missing this. And I am like, I'm nowhere near them. And, you know, the way he kind of talked to me about it, he's like, look, man, like every single person has gone through something and every single person is, is doing the same thing you're doing. I forgot the term that he used, but it's basically like minimizing myself because of what other people have gone through. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And he's like, that person that you just said is walking down the road, missing a leg because of what they went through as to why you're not doing it is saying the same thing about the person they were next to that died. So like, it doesn't mean you don't need help. It doesn't mean you don't need, you don't deserve something. It doesn't mean you don't go after what you're going for. And when we just kind of work through those things together. And again, that all came down to just because the two of us were willing to talk about it. We'd already worked through a lot of our stuff. So we opened our mouth and like, he helped me even just understand things a little bit differently by doing that. So because you're around like-minded people, those types of conversations can be fostered and you can have those moments. Um, to be able to grow in in your in yourself to then become a better investor afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I, well, yeah, and, and I can relate a lot to that idea of that. That uh, I, I don't know what the, I don't remember what the term is either, but like that trauma comparison kind of thing, like that 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 thing, and that you know, I, I even see that in you know my kids a lot of times now that that we have it. It's it's you know their experiences are you know are, are challenging for them that we and, and other people might not, and you know in a you know, previous world, I may have looked at that and said, like, you know, you know, that's not that bad. You don't have it as bad as we used to have it or whatever, or, or that kind of thing. But I realized that, you know, yeah, everybody has their, 
everybody's experiencing their own trauma and whatever it is to them or the, or their own challenges or struggles whatever it is to them it may be it may be just enormous to them you know and and it doesn't matter really regarding what's in their head versus what's in somebody else's head i mean that those kinds of things um are unique to every individual so i appreciate you sharing that cuz there's i know there's a there's a lot of guilt when i was feeling a lot of fear and anxiety in my own life and even in the depths of alcoholism there was a lot of like well, I shouldn't be complaining. I've got it good, you know that kind of thing. I, I usually, but but there is that there is that whole thing that everybody has something. So just don't be afraid to reach out to those communities and get that get that help. Um, and so you have uh, you have kids, you have family, and um, they're obviously very important to you. You have a podcast called the Biz Dad Podcast, which implies that you know you have kind of both uh, that that you want to express on both. You have a passion for both. Um, what are some of the lessons you've taken away or the biggest lessons you've taken away from starting that podcast, the biz dad podcast? Have you learned a lot or have you, what, yeah, what are some of the bigger lessons that you've learned from that? No, I've learned pretty much nothing, especially having people like Adam Hill on. I agree. Yeah, really, oh, oh, sorry. Um, yeah, no, it, I honestly have, Thanks for have joining learned us. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pleasure. This one will never get aired. Um, but, <laughs> but no, it's been, it's been a wonderful experience. Um, I, I still don't have much of a mission behind it other than to talk to other dads who operate businesses so that, that, you know, the way I started it, the reason I started it was so that I could steal everybody's good ideas. And if somebody else manages to get something out of it as well, great. If not, at least I did, you know, at least I'm stealing it. And, and if you start a podcast, people are more likely to have a two hour long conversation with you. Um, rather than just let me get two hours on your calendar to, to chat. Right. So, um, and I'm saying that in semi tongue in cheek. That's not obviously fully why, why I did it. I mean, I, I love being a dad. Um, it has changed my life immensely. It is one of the, I've been wanting to be a dad since I was like 13 and, um, it took me like an extra 20 years to finally become a dad. But, uh, I am absolutely thrilled with, uh, being dad, being a dad. Um, and I, I'd say that the conversations have been very eye-opening in a lot of different ways, and I'm still kind of shifting where I want the podcast to go. You know, we've got almost a year's worth of content created, but only five months of it released. So I've got a lot, of, a lot of like, who knows where it's going to turn for now. But um, I've learned more about how I can how I can include my kids in the business. I've learned like how I can emotionally relate to my kids a little bit better. You know, how I can how I can show up uh, better. Uh, and sometimes that <laughs> means putting this stupid thing, this phone, away. Right. And, and yeah. having good, good timer set on it, having good things built into it, understanding what my kids need. You know, you even mentioned earlier, um, uh, understanding what, like your kid may be going through something. You're like, well, that's not as bad as what I used to have. Right. Um, and there's somebody I was listening to. I don't remember if it was on my podcast or if I was prepping for the podcast or whatever it was, but they were talking about whatever your child is going through. Right. Yes. You know, as a 40 something year old, that what they're going through is no big deal. But as a four-year-old, that is the biggest deal a four-year-old is going through right now. So you need to relate and tell them, man, I really understand what you're going through. I can feel the pain that you're going through. Like, understand, like, get down on their level and have a good conversation with them and just learn how to show up to be a better dad. Um, and in turn, it helps me show up to be a better business owner as well because if, if I've got that part of my life taken care of, it helps a lot more on this side of to, to be able to manage these things and be able to, to talk to employees if I'm not so concerned about what's going on with the kids. So I don't know if that fully answers your question, but I think I did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and I think that's, that's one of the values of a podcast. I mean, selfishly, yeah, you get to like have an hour long coaching session where you're just, you know, kind of learning from somebody. And I, I love that idea because it's just following your natural curiosity. And that's why I was curious about it because I've learned a lot doing this podcast from a lot of people. And, 
is probably just the, one of the better ways to just get a more worldly perspective from a number of different people on 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 how to do things. And so, the the uh, uh, the subject matter that you talk about, which I I love, and you interview people on business and and fatherhood, are so important because they're probably two of the most you know uh, involved things that we as men who are parents are involved with in, on a day to day basis. They're they're the two things that we need to be in, engaged with. And I'm curious as to especially, you know, being involved in so many different things, RAL Capital, BizDad Podcast, ADPI. What, um, how do you balance that, that, that fatherhood aspect of, of being really present and engaged with your kids and doing the business piece? Uh, what, what strategies have you implemented that have worked for you? Um, so I, I, I hate the word balance because it's nearly impossible, right? Because every time you remove one thing off of the one balance, the other side flops up real quick. And it, it like, and so there is a lot of back and forth that goes on there as I'm trying to figure it all out. And I was interviewing somebody recently on the podcast. I don't remember again who it was. I, I wish I could give the, give the credit, but he was basically saying, look, like you, you are, you're realizing at a point in your life right now. Cause like right now I've got, I've got glass doors to my office, right? So I can look out into my house. We started homeschooling this year. So add that to the, the ridiculousness going on in my house. So I've got all of my kids home. Um, uh, so I've got three kids. I've got them all home, run around the house. I do homeschooling. Me personally, I do the homeschooling in the morning before I start my business stuff. Um, and then I come in and start getting to work. And then the kids walk by, you know, and they come in and say, hi, if you're, if you ever watch my podcast, you will, I can almost guarantee see my kids show up um, on the podcast. Um, at least one of them. Um, so, he was telling me, he was like, look, you, you are, you're realizing that you're sacrificing some stuff on the business side because I'm not as efficient as I know I could be on the business side, but it's because I want to be the father that's here right now. Like I may need to make some adjustments later as I'm, as I'm pivoting some of the stuff, but this is still semi new to me working from home, you know, doing all of this. It's been like a year and a half of, of straight dedicated work from home. Like here I am a year and a half to two years, somewhere around there. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm probably going to have to make some adjustments to it. But right now I know that this is what I want to do is I want to be around my kids as much as possible. I was in the military. I bounced around the world all over the place. You know, my son came running up to me one day when I was taking the trash out and I've told the story probably a hundred times, but, um, he came running up to me one day when I was taking the trash out, I was traveling constantly so much so that my going away gift says, uh, Ad, you know, Adam Labar, thanks for visiting, you know, like, because I was never there. So they were just like, thanks, thanks for visiting the, the base that you were technically assigned at. And um, so I'm taking the trash out and he comes running out to me, daddy, 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 don't leave again. Um, and he was crying and I was like, holy, something has to change. That's when I only had one kid. Now I've got three kids and it's like, okay, well, how do I manage going from one kid to three kids and doing all of this? You know what? I just want to love on my kids as much as I can right now and be present. My wife is still in the air force. So she's still gone a lot. So it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can to support them in any way I can. I told, I told my partners over it because I'm, I took over as a COO um, of ADPI and I told my business partners, I look, I'm, I'm, I'm starting homeschool this year and I know that that's going to be a sacrifice for all of us. Um, but I need to do what's best for my family. So right now in this season, that's what's best for my family. Um, as the seasons change, I may have to adjust and say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm happy I did that. Maybe my wife retires and she does the school. Maybe I, you know, whatever it is. I just know that running the business gives me the flexibility to be able to be a dad a lot more present than I ever used to be. So how do I balance it? I'm not really sure. I just know that there's times that I need to sacrifice one over the other. There's times my wife knows that I need to. I'm, I'm able to communicate that. I'm able to be open and honest. Say, hey, this is going to be a time where I'm on literally an eight-hour EOS call for the entire day. I'm, I'm not going to be around to be able to help with things. Okay, no problem. So I think the communication and understanding of this is this is just part of the seasons of of where this is going to go, and and we'll we'll make the adjustments as we can. 
Yeah, I like that you mentioned seasons there. I, I think that's such a great way of, of framing it. And I heard from one of our fellow GoBundance brothers on on uh, on the on this podcast, Aaron Velke. He'd mentioned that he didn't like the word balance either. He said he liked the word harmony, and I kind of like that a lot better too, because you're just like you're trying to find this harmony of of all the things that are your priorities in your life. And I ask these questions. I'm really, I really am curious about it because I listed out the priorities that I have for the next few years, and certainly just being a more present and engaged father is one of those things as my kids, you know, my, my son's turning 13, my daughter's turning 16. I only have, you know, only a few more years left with these, these kids, I feel like before they're leaving the door and, and out on their own. So, um, uh, so the time is short and I, I, I appreciate that people like you are putting a message out there for fathers to, you know, to continue to, to wrestle with the idea of how much, how they can be more engaged, how they could be more present and focus on the business in the right way that, that really serves the family. Um, you have an amazing set of values. I love that you've got, uh, the values of, you know, family and Christianity and, 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 um, and growth with regard to your, your capital company, because that's just not a lot of thing. A lot of people do. And it's just great to see the success that you're seeing with those kinds of values in place. So I'm I'm really grateful for that, and uh, and I'm excited. I, I'm a big fan of the Biz, Biz Dad podcast. I hope you keep it going because uh, it's it's just it, they're real conversations. They're they're authentic, and it just I, I love the kind of shows where you follow your curiosity, and that's definitely what you're doing, Adam. So I I appreciate that. Right, so thank you. Appreciate um, it. Where where can people find the Biz Dad podcast on Apple, YouTube? All, all of the above. places. Yep. They can find right. them all those places. Like I tell people all the time, I don't even care if you listen to it, just let it play in the background, like build those numbers up. Right. So, but no, I really yeah. think you should listen to it. Yeah. Especially yeah. that Adam Hill one. That was solid. It was really good. That was, yeah. I appreciate the, the redemption. <laughs> <laughs> no. Awesome, Adam. Well, uh, where, where else can people find you? Uh, if, if, how, how would you like people to get a hold of you if they want to? Yeah. So, reach out? Um, boy, it, you could go to Adam at active duty passive income.com, especially if you're a military veteran. Um, if you're not, and you just want to chat with me, Adam at ralcapitalgroup.com. That just kind of helps me filter who's, who's coming into my inbox. Um, feel free to reach out me there, reach out to me there. Um, uh, you can go to our website, activedutypassiveincome.com. You can go to ralcapitalgroup.com and take a look at who we are there. Um, but yeah, you can find me on all the social medias. It may not actually be me who responds. My assistant does a lot of that. Um, I'll say that up front. So you don't feel surprised if something happens. I, I may not actually be the one to respond, uh, but I do what I can to be the first one to get to it. Awesome. Well, if you missed any of that, it's going to be in the show notes. So look for that. Reach out to Adam via email and on the socials and uh, and check out the Biz Dad podcast. It's really, really great. Um, not just my episode, but every, every, all the episodes. <laughs> it's, it's all just really amazing people trying to become better fathers and, uh, and, and business people. So you can learn a lot from it. Uh, check that out. Give it a subscribe to it. Give it a nice big rating, uh, five-star rating. And Adam, dude, this has been awesome, man. I appreciate you being here. Thanks for sharing your story and your knowledge and your wisdom. I appreciate it, brother. And I look forward to uh, catching up with you soon. Thanks so much, Adam. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, very humbling. I appreciate it. Thank you. And to everyone else out there, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Flow Over Fear podcast. If you're enjoying this show, please do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. I will be so grateful if you do, and I'll look forward to bringing you more value in our next episode. I'll see you then.